If somebody in the audience says something funny and everyone's laughing, laugh. Don't uh, be a dick and try to overtalk them. Let the audience get their five minutes. If someone, yes. am I right? Hey, hey, Brian Miller here, and welcome back to One New Person, the show where we take a closer look at chance encounters to remind ourselves that every interaction is meaningful and every person we meet is important. Today's guest is a dear friend of mine and someone I was very lucky to have as a mentor when I was a young magician, which I definitely did not appreciate at the time. Jim Spinato is a local legend here in Connecticut. He's one of the most booked and highly sought after entertainers in New England, a magician by trade who now makes his living as a comedy hypnotist. Jim has a residency at Comics, the comedy club at Mohegan's Sun Casino, doing his R-rated hypnosis act, and a weekly showcase on Sundays called Spinato's Magic Matinee, which features the region's best magicians. In this episode, we chat about how Jim made the transition from banking to entertainment, how to connect with any audience, and, of course, Jim shares his story of a chance encounter with lasting impact. We also spent a good amount of time discussing the so-called PC culture for entertainers in the modern world. While I don't agree with everything Jim has to say on this topic, I found his perspective extremely valuable and the debate worth having. But since it's not really within the tone of this particular podcast, I edited a large chunk out. So if you're interested, you can hear the entire unedited conversation on my YouTube channel. Click the appropriate link in the show notes on onenewperson.com to view it. And one last note, Jim is a lover of life and language. So if there are kids around, if you're in a public place, or if you're just offended by four-letter words, you might want to sit this one out. Having said that, please enjoy my conversation with the legendary Jim Spinato. Thanks for doing this, man. Hey, it, I, I'm so pumped, and let's just, let's just start. So, uh... Jim, mm-hmm. it is so crazy to be here. Now, it's not quite as nostalgic. It feels like it should be nostalgic, but this wasn't the actual room yeah. that you and I built this in. Same club, but yeah, Same different club, room. different casino. Uh, these days, if someone, if you meet someone at a social gathering, a cocktail party, maybe you don't go to those anymore, but if you meet someone and they just go, what do you do? What's your answer these days? I always say I'm in the entertainment business, and then if they want me to, to elaborate, then I will. But I never come out and say, well, I'm a magician. I'm a hypnotist. I don't know why. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming you, you would say, well, I'm a speaker. But I just go, I'm in the entertainment business. And I oh, just leave so it at that. Isn't that weird? So you say you're in the entertainment Yeah, industry. that's all I say. And then they'll say, well, you know, what is it that you do? And then they'll, I, I just tell them. I don't know why I don't come out and say I'm a hypnotist and a magician. I don't know why. Huh. I, even when I was doing just magic full time, I never said, well, I'm a magician. It just, really? Yeah, it's, it's just something with me. It just seems odd to say I'm a magician or I'm a hypnotist. It, it's it, all miss me. It's it, me. Is, it, is it because you don't identify with any one particular form of entertainment? You've had so many different. It, it feels like to me, I, I know hypnotists who are like they're hypnotists. They consider themselves hypnotists first yeah. and entertainers second. But you've gone through comedy magic you've gone through hypnosis you've done mentalism right um isn't mentalism magic uh-oh there's uh, a yeah, can of worms well there, there's, there's an interesting a question <laughs> luckily my audience is not magicians okay. so they don't care about this okay, conversation good. at all <laughs> my god please. if we had magicians listening we'd have to be on that point for an hour oh. <laughs> um it might it might be that it might be because i've done a f- several things over the years this i i really don't have an answer but that's what i say i'm in the entertainment business and then they say well what do you do then I usually say I do those comedy hypnosis shows, or I do comedy magic shows. So why comedy? Why not? Can you see me doing anything serious? And <laughs> no, anything I can't. that t- anybody who takes me serious has got to be a horse's ass. Seriously, I, <laughs> I couldn't do. I listen. I my first love is magic. I love magic, and when I see good magic guys doing pantomime stuff, I just I love it. But I could mm. never do it. Just really? doesn't fit my personality. I couldn't do what you do either. Oh, well, I don't know what I do. Uh, I'm not sure what I do anymore, but I don't think it's better or worse to do magic seriously. Do uh, uh, you can't really do a hypnosis show seriously? Though. No. Well, actually, yeah, a, a very good friend of mine, James Mapes, who I've who I've respected for years and years and years and years, is kind of like a serious hypnotist. Like watching James's show is like watching a science project as opposed to watching a comedy hypnosis show. So he is serious and he's very entertaining. 
Huh. Me, I couldn't do it. I couldn't pull it off. I guess when I think, you know, we have a mutual friend uh, that we both love, Paul Ramsey. Oh, I who, love Paul. Yeah. Tell him to return my calls every now and then, will you please? <laughs> He's hard to get a hold of. Love him. He's a busy dude. Um, but I feel like he, he does a funny show, but his show kind of straddles the line, I feel like, between what you were just talking about, kind of almost a uh, an explanatory. Yes. Like, it's explanatory. He actually really explains for the first 20 minutes what hypnosis is. So can can you do that for us a little bit? Like, I think there's a lot of people that have this idea that hypnosis is just a magic trick. That's why I never combine the two. I know a lot of magicians who will do, uh, I'm sorry, a lot of hypnotists who will do mentalism before their show. I didn't want people to think that hypnosis was magical mentalism. Mm. But my line of thought is, especially here at the comedy club, people don't give a shit. People want me to hypnotize people and make them do stupid shit. So, So the explanation to them is just, uh, unnecessary, I feel. I think you just brought up a really, really important point. I think this is where we can, where I think folks listening who are not entertainers and not hypnotists at all, you know, most of the folks listening to this show uh, are actually young professionals or people who work with young professionals, educators and stuff. And so I think this is where it becomes really relevant outside of the context that we're talking in, like the entertainment. I'm guessing they actually can't hear that on the microphone, but the the screaming going on from is that the football game in the other yeah, room? Yeah. <laughs> it's a Sunday it's the other in New half England. Of the comedy club is, is are the Patriots playing right uh, now? Who knows? I'm not a football. It must fan. be if we're in, we're in Connecticut and somebody's screaming like that. It's, it's probably the Patriots. But you were just talking about uh, how in the comedy club it wouldn't make any sense to explain. <laughs> you know, anything about how hypnosis works. And I yeah. think the the venue, the context for anything, whether you're an entertainer, whether you're a teacher, whether you're a, a marketer, the context really matters. And that's actually why I ended up really leaving and distancing myself from the whole comedy club scene, which is how you and I met yeah. and started working together. I was still doing a ton of comedy club work <clears throat> because I started to get to a point where I realized the type of show I wanted to do really wasn't the type of show that made sense in a comedy club environment. Yeah. Um, so I get that. Did you ever practice hypnosis for medical reasons Never. at all? Never. No, you listen, uh, if it's not funny, I don't want to do it. Even, even my magic, if it's not funny, if I can't get a laugh out of it, I'm not going to do it. Um, uh, hypnotherapy is a wonderful thing. And Paul's a great hypnotherapist. Right. And there are many uses for it. It just doesn't fit me. Mm. You know, like years ago before doing this, like like I've been full-time for 34 years. So, be- But before mm-hmm. this, I was in the banking business. And the banking business required a real serious personality. Well, yeah. Christ, did I hate going to work every day. <laughs> you know, because it's just too serious. I can't, I can't be serious. Mm-hmm. So again, if I, if I can't get a laugh out of a magic trick or a hypnosis show, then I don't want to do it. So I've never thought about doing hypnotherapy. Yeah. Which is a wonderful thing. Oh, sure, just, sure, sure. Just not for me. That's yeah, fine. no, I mean, totally, totally different. Some people say, you know, aren't they just acting? What do you have yeah. to say to that? I say, listen, <clears throat> I say, listen what, what have I done? Have I paid thousands of people the past 34 <laughs> years to make a living? That doesn't make sense. Yeah. You know? and, it, and, I, and I'm past the point where trying, <clears throat> excuse me, if they don't believe, I don't care. I am not taking the time to try to convince them that it's legit. Shun, shun the non-believers, right? Yeah, I, honestly, because it's been 34 years, and if you don't believe in it, you don't believe in it. I'm not, I'm not going to try to change your mind. Yeah, watch the show and make your come to your own conclusions. So you, so then you fall down on this side. There's this, there's this debate um, that I have a lot with, not so a debate, kind of discussion that I have a lot with other performers, especially a lot of speakers, people in the industry I'm in now, about whether we should be creating products, services, um, shows for our audience, or if we should go find an audience for our art, right? Do you create art for your audience or do you find an audience for the art you want to make? You do both. You do both. Why not do both? You ask me what I do? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I think, uh, geez, that's a good question, man. You've had, you're going to have to give me several minutes to think about you, you that. You take as much time as you like. Well, I, can I don't have much time. Uh, <laughs> you're right. You don't. You have a show to do. <laughs> well, clearly over the years, I've I've catered a show toward my audience, yeah. which has been colleges for the most part and comedy yeah. clubs. So I've, I've never thought to myself, well, actually, you know what? I'm really, I'm really lost with this now because I am in the middle of creating a performance for a, a, a different venue. Oh, you are? Yeah. What yeah. are you working on? I'm working on... Um, I love those speakeasy gigs 
Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, like Denny Corby. Do you know Denny out of Pennsylvania? He I, does I it. do, yeah. Maybe you can explain for the folks listening, though, what that is, really. And, and, there's, and, my, and there's my friend Steve Cadolfo and Jose uh, Acevedo. They do it in Boston. Well, what happens is, uh, for instance, in Boston, Steve Cadolfo, Joel uh, Acevedo, two of the finest magicians that I know, mm. host this weekly magic show at this very exclusive library in Boston. And to get in, you have to pay a, a large amount of money. And it's limited to like 40 people. And there's cocktails served. It's very elegant. It's yeah. elegant. Can you see me doing elegant stuff? <laughs> By the way, <laughs> it's, it's uh, so I'm, yeah. I want to do something along those lines in a very fancy. I'm looking at a couple of restaurants now in some exclusive areas where they'll allow me to go into a room and people will come in yeah. after dinner and have cocktails and watch this very. In, it's like doing a close-up magic show, actually. It, like like formal close-up magic, yes. which which is so funny because I think when I was a teenager coming up in magic and looking, imagining, dreaming of being a full-time magician. All of the videos, first VHS, then DVDs, then, right, as that all happened. You remember VHSs? I grew up on VHSs, wow. yeah. I learned magic from old VHS tapes. Yeah, old enough. And I used to think that was what professional magic was because on the VHS videos, on the DVDs, you saw magicians in these perfect environments yeah. that I didn't realize only exist when they film magicians right. for videos. Right, right, right. And so... I feel like Steve Cohen is uh, one of the great examples absolutely. of making that happen. Absolutely. He's he's a, he's a grandfather of that stuff, right? Man. You and so me? is that the sort of thing yeah, you're trying well, to do? Not, yeah, well, something along those lines. Uh, again, I can't be too serious because that's not my sure. personality. But, uh, yeah, and look at our guest performer, Bobby Tokova, just walked in. Hey, Bobby, how are you? We'll come say hello in a minute. <laughs> We're getting Jim on record about his, uh, about his career. So uh, take me back for a minute, though. How did you move from comedy well first of all how did you move from banking to comedy magic and then how did you get from magic to hypnosis those are big leaps yeah man it's crazy man um i've always been in the magic and i did magic shows when i was in my 20s and i had two kids and a wife and a mortgage and i was doing some magic shows on the side um and at that time i was working for an oil company actually i had i had left the banking business and then suddenly my magic business started to really expand i was making as much money doing magic shows kids shows you were doing kids uh, shows I, did, I listen i did more kids shows than you can possibly imagine i've done one in my entire life and oh, it was a favor man. to a friend uh if i if i didn't do i would i was doing like 150 kids shows a year oh my God, i can't those even are, those are, i never would have made it to where you are now oh, I, yeah. quit. I never would have made no it. no Birthday parties every Saturday, Sunday, blue and gold banquets, Christmas parties. So I was, so I was doing that, and then uh, somebody saw me, and they wanted me to be the. Uh, no, I know what it was. I, a, a hypnotist came to town, mm. and someone said, uh, "You have to go see a hypnotist." So I go see him, and it was Frank Santos out of Providence, Rhode Island, mm. who was one of the most successful hypnotists I've ever met in my life. He's since passed. I'm sorry, but, to hear but that. his son does it. So I went to go see him, and I gave him my card because at that time I was doing comedy magic at a local restaurant. So he, he gives my card to his agent who calls me and says, you want to work with Frank? I go, yes. <laughs> so I actually opened up for Frank at the University of Rhode Island. That was 28 years ago. Oh, man. You still yeah. do gigs there, don't you? Well, ironically enough, I I, I never solicited the URI because Frank was uh, okay. He was a legend there. Yeah, and uh, so then he passed. So when he passed, this is this is such a weird story. So when he passed, the orientation people were using Matt Franco, a friend of ours, uh, who yeah, went on, friend, yeah, who went on to win America's Got Talent and plays Vegas every night. Incredible. So Matt says a URI. I obviously can't do orientation anymore because I'm in Vegas. But my friend Jim Spinato is a hypnotist. <laughs> so URI calls me, and uh, it's like, so, so listen. So so they call me. They give me eight gigs in one month. Oh. I go back to URI, and I will cry if I talk about this too long. Oof. Uh, so I go back to the same auditorium that I worked with Frank at. It was 25 years later. And at the time, I'm 70 now, so that was like, I don't know, it must have been 65 years old. Uh, I was standing on the stage with tears in my eyes, and oh my I God. called my wife. And I said, I'm crying on fucking stage. It was a, because I had worked with him there initially. So now I'm back there. But after I worked with him that one time at URI, he and I became really close friends. So I was his opening act on and off for five years. Wow. I didn't go to all his gigs, but I would open up for him at comedy clubs and colleges on and off for five years. So we became very, very friendly. And then his passing was very sad to me. Okay. 
So that's that part of the story. So now I had quit my job and I'm doing the magic full time. I work with Frank every now and then. But now I want to get in the college market. At that time, which was the mid 90s, at that time, to get in the college market as a magician was pretty difficult. Was it really? It was very difficult. Huh. Because magic was kind of. That market's <clears throat> gone in a lot of waves yes, over the years. Magic is huge now. I mean, thanks to guys like you and Matt Franco and. Well, whoever. maybe not me, but guys like Matt, guys like Shin Lim, guys right. like that. They, yeah, yeah. They are making magic. I, I think it's more popular than it's been in my entire life. Without right now. question. It's incredible. Without, my entire life. Wow. Yeah. So I couldn't get into the college market as a magician. And then the, I had worked with Frank for so long that I knew I could do his show because I, I would see him every week. So I grabbed an age, agent out of Long Island who started booking me in the college market and ta-da, there you go. And I'm still in it. Still with in no it. agent now. Everything's on my own. But yeah, yeah, Isn't yeah. That crazy. It is crazy. Isn't I, crazy? And I, I gotta like back up because like that story with you ending up on the stage with you know oh, where, where it started. I mean that. What's amazing to me is that you started there as someone who was essentially your mentor, right? Yeah, without question. And then one of. And then you ended up back there because of someone who was essentially a student of yours. Yeah, that's nuts. Matt. And then that's, isn't that wild? Isn't that crazy? <laughs> and then, well, he wasn't a student of mine, but sure. Matt and I were extremely close. I mean, I, extremely I, close. I, I bet if you asked Matt, though, he thought of you, at least for a time, as a teacher. Well, that would so, be nice. So I, I would, I would, I don't know that for sure. I'm not going to yeah, speak for not, him, but I would nice. be willing to bet. Because he does call me Uncle Jimmy, by the way. I bet he does. Smart ass. I know. <laughs> Yes. I've never called you Uncle Jimmy. It'd be Thank weird you. if I had called you Uncle Jimmy. You. Uh, <laughs> but so, okay, so speaking of kind of uh, chance encounters and collisions and because, and, you know, that's the whole purpose of this show and you just kind of steered I us. I love that. You steered us right in there kind of naturally. I didn't have to ask about it. Um, that is how you and I met Yeah, as isn't well, that nuts? Which is a total random. The story of how you and I met is so bananas and I've never told it publicly anywhere <laughs> Um, I'm actually considering, I'm working on my second book right now, and that's really, the book I'm working on is about the role of luck and success. Yeah, yeah. And so I think that story is going to end up making it in oh, that book. Oh, that'd be great. It makes sense yeah. there. And oh, that's nice. I mean, I literally, the short version, because uh, I want to keep this focused on you, but the short version is, of course, from my end of things, because I was just some random kid that showed up that day at the at casino Foxwoods, at yeah. Foxwoods, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. at the casino. Um, to do a show together, uh, I was doing comedy magic. You would, I would open. You would do comedy hypnosis, and I would work outside the doors of the club doing magic to try to bring that. people in the door. Yeah, it worked and too. It worked a little bit. Absolutely, I mean, it, it worked. Um, but so the way I ended up there was, I had moved to Connecticut, uh, Connecticut on a whim. I'm not from here. Uh, I had some cousins in the area, and. I decided I was going to stay, but I was like basically broke, a starving magician, you know, really doing the starving artist life. I got a roommate and I could barely afford the rent, even splitting the crappy little apartment we had. <laughs> and I realized that I was going to stay in Connecticut and I needed car insurance. And this hit me as I'm driving. I just saw an Allstate. Now, I, I didn't know what the hell. I, 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 so I stopped the car. I walked into an Allstate and said, uh, I just moved to Connecticut two months ago. I think I need car insurance here. I, I just saw an Allstate. I didn't know what I was. I didn't shop That's around. Yeah. So I'm sitting there, and the guy is going through everything. And at some point, he's waiting for his computer, and he's getting annoyed because the computer is slow. And he goes, well, so what do you do anyway? I said, well, I'm a magician. And out of nowhere, not the guy I'm talking to, but some agent at the back of the room just out. shows up. He, like, poofed right in front of me, sticks out his hand and goes, John Ram. Nice oh, to meet John, you. Yeah. And you probably haven't heard that name in a long time. I haven't. Not since the Foxwoods days. Right? Yeah. So this guy, he's not even the guy I was working with, shakes my hand. He's an Allstate agent. He goes, you're a magician. I said, yeah. He goes, I'd like to take you to lunch sometime. I was like, I have no idea. Like, think about what that was. And he's, he's probably, what, 10 years older than oh, me? Yeah. So at the time, oh, yeah. that was a big difference. Sure it was. So I said, yes. I don't know. Why? I don't know why I said yes. And he basically was just interested in the fact that I was a magician. Yeah, he so goes, cool. I like to talk to interesting people. So cool. So I said, have you ever considered managing an entertainer? He goes, well, I am now. And then he quit Allstate yeah, and did. started managing me yeah. on a whim. And one day, a few months later, I just got a call from John. He said, uh, I got you a gig at Foxwoods. And I was like, what? Yeah, for comics. Yeah, for the casino, right at the comedy at, you know, at the comedy club, yeah. at comics. And... And I was like, what are you talking about? I have no idea to this day how that happened, what yeah. conversation he had, what he said behind the... And so you and I ended up sitting in a, in a green room backstage meeting each other. There's yeah. a photo of us meeting for the first time oh, somewhere out that. there on the, on, the, on the social webs. 
and um, and you and I did a show together that we did for eight or nine months, yeah, the better did. part of a year, which which was I guess the foundation of what all this incredible stuff exactly you you've done now. And yeah. I had my my incredibly small part in that, but. The reason I wanted to bring up that story was to flip this back over. Now, if you uh, don't pull in the Allstate, see, you see, you think about <laughs> shit like that, man. Right, Honestly, right. I do that all the time. If I didn't stop in Allstate, that's exactly right. And I, I, the reason I care about stories like this, and I love get, stories, I love like, stories this. like this, is because I feel like motivational speakers and very successful people have a habit of downplaying the role of luck and success. Yeah, I agree. And it makes me nervous because I think it I screws agree. young people up more than if they actually acknowledged how important luck is. Yep. Without uh, question. Without, you, without question. Do you think you can intentionally be more lucky? Do you think really successful people have found strategies that they – maybe they're not aware of that they're doing it. Yeah, but do I don't think, think consciously. No. I don't. Because you must feel – do you feel like you've been lucky? I feel like – I, I feel like I've worked really hard. Mm -hmm. I think what's that what's that saying when hard work and luck is Yeah, that, is yeah. That? Preparation. <clears throat> uh uh luck is what happens when preparation meets opportunity. Absolutely. And right. I yeah. Cause I, he, I'm still thinking about Allstate, man. That's a that, that, oh, crazy shit. That's that's yes, how you and is. I met. It was because I randomly pulled into an Allstate. That's is that the dumbest <laughs> But so what wow. I wanted to wow. say about wow. that wow. is so you and I got on uh started working on this show and it and it was I didn't know it at the time and i know that years later i reached back out to you to properly thank you in a way that oh, i wasn't stop. no no no. but i mean it but i mean it because I, I i was 21 maybe 22 when we met and i i had the ego of youth and and you know all that stuff starting out in entertainment and i didn't recognize how valuable um watching you work twice a month four times a month for a year oh that's very nice of you to say stop would it. be no i and i but i really mean it So how do you connect with an audience? You know, I will tell you, here's, I, I, I always wondered, I am not the best magician or the best hypnotist that I've ever seen, but I've been fortunate where I've made a living for 34, yeah. 34 years yeah. with a wife and two kids and a mortgage. Incredible. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not anything special. What my magic is, I figured, out, I figured it out after I read um, Maximum Entertainment by, uh, help me. Weber, right? Ken Weber. And there's one line in that book that I think I can uh, contribute my success to where he says, show them your humanity. Don't be a dick on stage, okay? Don't. I, you know, I had this conversation at dinner. Fucking magicians are the worst actors in the world. <laughs> Stop fucking acting. Am I right? And be <laughs> yes. yourself. Show yes. them your humanity, goddammit. Yes. It's really simple. Am I not supposed to swear? I'm no, sorry. No, that's fine. Okay. No, it's fine. Because I, I, when I, what... I am so bad when I'm watching, especially Masters of Illusions. Yeah. My wife says, why do you watch this? Because I want to throw stuff. <laughs> I'm pissed because they're acting poorly. They're not being themselves. They're That's not it. showing them their, their humanity. Acting's not the problem, right? Because there are some, there are great magicians who have backgrounds in theater and acting yeah. who are who are some of the best. Like Darren Brown is without, an example of some of the most magnificent without question. actors. I'm glad you it's, said it's him. It's acting poorly, right? Exactly. And exactly. It's, it's, it's magicians. But show them who have, your humanity as yeah. well, which means don't be an ass on stage. Look what I can do, and you can't. I'm yeah. just a guy like you, and let's just have some fun. And I think I think that's what I. Uh, portray on stage i'm, ju I'm just do. some am i right no you really I, I do think, and i think you just feel like a guy that i was chatting with at the bar a minute ago you feel yeah, like you're the same guy yeah, on yeah, stage yeah. yeah and i feel like so many performers especially magicians uh comedians do this too have this thing where the second they walk off stage they become a completely different person yeah. show them your humanity uh, ken Weber said that and, and that's what i got i can't stop saying that phrase i can't I stop love it and i say it to everybody i yeah. How do you do it? How do you show them your humanity? Don't be a dick. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, yeah. And, and and another thing that other performers, especially here at a comedy club, if somebody in the audience says something funny and everyone's laughing, laugh. Don't oh. be a dick and try to overtalk them. Let the audience get their five minutes. If someone, yes. am I right? Yes. I if it's <laughs> it's so funny with this magic show. There's a, I say a certain phrase at every magic show, and it gets a laugh. Well, what happens during the show is that the audience members throughout the show will say it every now and then. And the, and the saying is, holy shit, Jim. It's stupid, right? Oh but I say, I say to them, listen, when this trick happens, it's so good, you're going to say, holy shit, Jim. So I do the <laughs> trick, and they go, they say it. Five minutes later, somebody yells it out. The audience laughs. I laugh. 
That's Ten great. minutes later, someone else will. So performers think that they're the ones that are supposed to be providing the entertainment. But if someone in the audience says something funny and the audience laughs, you should laugh as well. In that way, do you, do you feel, I've heard the analogy that, you know, it, that you're more like, you should be more like a conductor. Do you feel like you're, you're more like, you're like the conductor of an orchestra where you're, yeah. you're the one in control of the room, but you're not necessarily the thing that makes the show what yeah. it is. The audience makes the show. Yeah. Don't you agree? I, I totally course, absolutely. agree. Yeah. And, and that's a great analogy, but and the, the reason I, I feel like I've heard that somewhere, but if not, I'll take credit for it. It was, I, as it came That's out, great. I was like, it's too smart for me to have not heard somebody else say that. <laughs> you ever say something and go, that couldn't have been me. Yeah, exactly, yeah. But I'll, I'll take it. Um, yeah, I, but I agree. Is there like a mistake either in business, on stage or off stage that you made early in your career that you're like, that's something I would tell every young performer to avoid doing now because I made that mistake? To think of something off the top of my head after 34 years is tough. I, I can't think of anything. Not that I was the perfect performer. I made a whole bunch of mistakes. Um by the way, you know what the biggest mistake I make now? This, sure. this pisses me off. Yeah, you make now? Yeah. In the college, for, I am 70 years old. Right. My memory kind of sucks. Does it? Yes, because I'm, I'm old. <clears throat> so oh. when I get a bunch of kids on stage, if I get, you know, 12, 15 kids hypnotized, I'm not going to remember their names. Oh, the names, yeah. So here's what I said a couple times. I'm sorry, honey. What was your name? Oh, no, you're and in trouble. Absolutely, I oh, was in God. trouble. So I can't. So that's a mistake I would tell. I would tell you know younger people to avoid. But I didn't see any harm in it because I'm an old guy. I'm the grandfather figure. But yeah. a couple of young college kids got a little pissed off, and uh, I went, "Wow, I, this is a different world." So I had no intent. Well, I had no plan to to dive into that particular topic. But last season on the show, Michael Kent and I had this phenomenal conversation. A comedy magician at the top of the college circuit. He's one of the names, legends of the college market, and he and I talked very seriously for a long time about that kind of quote-unquote PC culture, yep. what has changed, political correctness and all this. Uh, both of him and I are in favor of it. I, I am 100% in favor of the idea of the movement that mm -hmm. we should be treating people with kindness and respect and generosity as much as possible at all times. But it is starting to become difficult for many performers when things like that, what you yep. just said, something that to you is completely innocent and actually for you is actually a way that you're trying to recover from a different issue that you're having. Yeah, yeah. And you're doing that out of respect for that. You don't want to forget their name. So that comes out from a, that comes out from a genuine place for yeah. you, but is taken in a completely wrong completely way. Completely different. Right. Completely so I guess different. the question is, how do you feel these days? Do you feel like it's gotten to be too difficult or that it's our job as performers and as speakers, people in, in that have the responsibility on stage to that we have to say, yes, this is how the culture yeah, is. You're going to have to adapt. Uh, me, I am not adapting. I'm not adapting. But will, if if will people it, get pissed, like, I don't You're not care adapting anymore. on purpose? <clears throat> on purpose. You know what? Listen, I, I just told you, I'm, I just told you, I'm 70 years old. I got seven grandkids. I call my 26 year old grandson. I call my 26 year old grandson, honey. Hi, honey. How, how are you? Okay. I, I kiss that guy on the lips. Okay. That's, I'm Italian. It's very Italian. I'm Italian. <laughs> I'm old. Uh, so, so I'm not changing my ways. Uh, uh, if they want to get pissed off because I said, I'm sorry, honey, what was your name? Mm. Fuck it. Let them get pissed. It's not like I'm saying, hey, nice tits, honey. Right. I'm saying, <laughs> I'm saying, I'm old, sweetie. What is your name? Uh, that's all I'm saying. It's, to me, it's completely innocent. You can edit all of this out if you want to. No, I, I, I think I, it's I an may, important I may issue. Not, but I want to talk about it. So A guy, again, my age, mm -hmm. saying to a young kid, his grandkids age, I'm sorry, honey, what was your name? Yeah. To me, that's not offensive or not being hurt. Oh, no, I know it's not. But I guess to them it is, right? Right. Well, the, and, yeah. that, and that's, that's the question is that, and that it's almost too, comes back to that earlier conversation about do you create art for your audience or do yeah, you right yeah, the, yeah, other, do yeah. it the other way and, and in this way you're saying no i do my art and if you're not the kind of person who would enjoy this don't be here well obviously i mean i've made a lot of adjustments i mean uh, yeah like during the like during the magic show uh, there's certain things that i used to do with a, a young woman mm -hmm. i have to do with the older woman now interesting are, yeah and and the colleges will now tell me as they've told you don't speak of lbgt stuff which i never do right and don't speak of rape which if anyone's yeah. speaking of rape, you're a horse's ass. Well, yeah, that, like, to what end would you... With so many topics in the world, why is anybody exactly. dealing with that one exactly. in, in the entertainment? Exactly. Yeah. But the, but the whole thing, you know, I don't mind making uh, adjustments like that because, although they're warranted, but this, what's your name, honey? 
I'm sorry, sweetie. I forgot your name. I mean, stuff like that drives me nuts. Well, there was a college performer. This is what Michael yeah, and I were talking yeah, yeah. about that last know, year got in trouble because. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. Referred to you guys. Oh, wait a minute. That is it. Said you guys. In that's the show. offensive? And there, this was where the split happened, I think, for the college market was they got written up in the paper. It became a massive problem. It ended up getting picked up on social media. It kind of went viral that a performer was being um, sexist, uh, you know, uh, by using guys instead oh. of they or whatever. And so that a... is where a lot of performers finally, I think, fell off. And when I've been, oh my God. I've been going, yes, I want to be respectful. I want to, whatever you need, I will adapt to. Like we, we just want to do a nice show for everybody. And I think that when this one performer, uh, it was, I think it was a comedian, uh, got in trouble for you guys and it blew up on social media and became this nightmare for their, his management and agents. Please, and it was like, please. okay, now we've gone over the edge, right? Some, somehow we've gone over the edge. Oh. But once that happened, I went, oh, that could have happened to me. Of course. Because that, right, because I, I do like the cleanest, least offensive yeah. show on the planet. But when you guys is offensive, yeah, that's way, way off center. Yeah. Way. I thought you were going to, Talk about the magician who uh, oh, oh. touched a girl's leg. That's oh, uh, he that. was forty, she was eighteen. He, yeah, and he said, "I got my feel" or something. Yeah, that. Yeah. I mean, even yeah. I wouldn't Yo, do yeah. that. Yeah, I would never. Like, I would never do that. Right. <laughs> yeah, I don't want you to think that I, I don't oh, give yeah. a shit at all about any no, of that no, stuff. No, I know you it's, do, and I said I think you're right at that spot that a lot of performers are 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 at. You know, which is just like. So here's my version of that thing happening once, and I wrote this story into my first book, so it's already public, so I don't mind talking about it. Uh, there was a just a couple of years ago, I had like you know freshman orientation. I was doing a magic show, and I had a girl on stage. I said, "What's your name?" And mm -hmm. she said, "Lindsay." Mm -hmm. Now that's also my wife's right. name, okay? And I said, "Oh, that's my wife's name." The entire audience booed me. Come on! They thought I was coming on to her by saying like like <sighs> you're gonna be my wife, and I. Okay, right? So my instant, I was like, oh, that was a bonding. I was like, oh, I, we have this something. Oh, that's my wife's name. Exactly. And as soon as it happened, I had to go, oh, no, no, no. Like, and I pointed to my wedding band, like my wedding mm. ring. And I was like, no, no, no. That's actually my wife's name. I wasn't, that wasn't like a thing. I said, do you, and then I immediately went, do you spell it with an A or an E? And she said an E. And I said, that's also how my wife spelled it. Do you have trouble finding souvenirs and whatever? And she goes, yeah. And then it was fine and we moved on. But the it's rest sad of the that show, you had to backtrack. Though. The rest of the show, I never fully got them back. 800 students you know never what? got them back. Screw them. How's that? Well, you know, I, you know. Is this a, I, I can never say this word probably, yeah. millennial? Is, yeah, millennial. Is that is it a millennial thing? I just think it's a cultural thing. I, I think it started, I, but I think it's a cultural thing. I think that just like we're developing as a society a different understanding of how to interact with each other. And I think social media and Digital interaction, the fact that most of our communication is happening online now is making us yeah, rethink, yeah. you know, hey, tone of voice is getting lost, intentions getting lost. And to a certain extent, I think that's similar to being a performer. When you're on stage, if you're in the first 10, 15 minutes of the show, maybe you haven't developed enough of a relationship with the audience yet for them to really know when you're kidding or when you're not or who you are. Is that, do you feel like it takes you? How long does it usually take you to like get an audience on board like that? I, I can feel like you're you're seething right now. What is it? That's my wife's name. Pissed them off. Oh, I got boot. I have it on video. It's bullshit. And they never brought me back. I was obviously pissed because it was so crazy. That to me that was so crazy. Way but crazy. How, having said that, I've met Lindsay's since then students and yeah. other people, and yeah. they said my name's Lindsay. Yeah. And in my mind, I go, because uh, my instinct is always to go, oh, that's my wife's name. Do because it. why wouldn't you? Do it. Nope. Every single time I check it and I don't say it because oh I, I don't. Because I know it's going, I know it has the potential to get me into trouble and it's not worth it. I want to connect with the audience. So, so next time somebody says, my name's Lindsay, you go, oh, that's nice, honey. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> that's, oh, uh, my God. Yeah, that's not a good idea. All right, so let's 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 bring this in then, because we got on that that uh, kind of heavy topic for uh, for a long time. So, bring bring it home for me here. If, bring it if home, you got, baby. Um, if you got, if you're talking to, you've always been so good with the younger performers in in New England. Um, you know, when they reach out to you and whatever, uh, you, oh, you're, you're, well, you are. You're really good with that. So, 
a younger performer, an aspiring performer, or even just uh, not forget performers, a young professional, a young person graduating college in their early 20s, they're looking to make an impact on the world right now. They want to do something meaningful, you know, with their lives. Um, you've had so much experience and, and, and been so successful for so long. What oh, one piece of advice, if you could, I know that kind of puts people on the spot, but like, what would you tell somebody who's 22 and wide-eyed and not to mention staring down crippling, you know, student loans and these kind of all these different things we've been talking, right? They're staring down a very difficult world. Robots are taking their jobs, right? All this stuff. They're anxious. They're depressed. I mean, that's the generation right now. What do you say to somebody in that situation? Oh, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm not the guy to ask that. I don't, I don't know. I'm just, listen, I'm just, I'm just some guy who picked up a couple of magic tricks and learned how to hypnotize people and made a living. I mean, I, I, that requires a profound answer, and which I don't think it does. Really, I I would only say I don't know. I, here's what I will tell you. Uh, ironically enough, uh, you referred someone to me who I'm meeting in a couple of weeks because you want to talk have. business. Yeah. What I am basically going to tell him is that you have to be passionate about what you're doing. I mean, I think whatever success I've obtained, I've obtained not because I'm the best hypnotist, because I'm not, or the magician. We talked about that because I'm pa- as you are. You're successful. I'm sure you're great, but you're not the best speaker. Of course But not. you are so goddamn passionate about what you mm-hmm. do. That leads to success. You have to be passionate. I, I keep going back to that passion. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's the answer, don't you? I, I mean, think it's to, imp- I don't think passion necessarily leads to success, but I know if you're not passionate, you won't be. Uh, I, well said. Like, uh, well said. That's, that should be a bumper sticker. <laughs> No, seriously. I'm gonna start. I'm gonna quit speaking and magic and start selling bumper stickers. If you're trying, if you were trying to be, if if you were trying to be a professional speaker like you are now, without having the passion for it, you wouldn't put in all the work and all the time because you wouldn't be passionate about it. You would not obtain the success that you have without passion. That's to me is the bottom line of all this stuff. So I want to wrap this up then by just uh, saying something uh, to you. And I know you're not. You get very. For some reason, you get very shy when people say nice things to you. Uh, but I, I have to say this. So the f- first show we ever did together. Comics? you At Comics. Uh, back at Foxwoods at Comics in 2010. Nine years ago, yeah. Nine years Nine ago. Nine years ago in December. First show we ever did together. We met that day. And I came off stage. And then you did your show. And then the show was over. And then I talked to you for the first time since the show had happened. So you came up to me. And you said something to me that I'm guessing you would never remember, but I've never forgotten. So you said something to me right then. You said, you're not the best magician. No, the no. First, no, 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 stop, no, no, you got to listen to Wait, this. you, you must have asked this. me a question, right? Because so, I wouldn't just come out and say that. So just listen. So you said, you're not, you're a good magician. You said, you're not the best magician, but you don't need to be. You said the audience loves you from the second you hit the stage, and because of that, you're going to well, be successful. Well, I said that then, because I, I, I still feel the same way. And, and I got to tell you something. I believed you. Yeah, it's true. If they like you, and I, and I will say this, and you don't have to edit this out. I told you how close I am to Matt Franco. Yeah. He is not the best magician I've ever seen. He's the, one of the most successful, right. and, be, and he is successful because... He comes across as a really nice guy on stage. He showed his humanity. humanity. I'm telling you, the same. That's how Matt won America's Got Talent. Without question. Without question. He's got an incredible personality. Yeah. When you take the stage, and I've told Eric Diddleman the same thing. Great guy. Who initially took it the wrong way, which we still laugh about. (laughs) But I I said to Eric, and I probably said the same thing to you. That wasn't the greatest trick. But you know what? People loved you, and they're going to love your magic. Yeah, I tell they, you, people have to like you. I you have, can't be a dick. I have built literally the last like nine years of my career on the like on that like that one moment. It stuck. It uh, ne- I, no, no, no. Oh, I mean thanks. it. It oh, never thanks. left me. That's nice to hear. Thanks. And what it did was it made me stop focusing on trying to be the world's greatest magician, which is what as a teenager when you're coming up, when right. you're learning, you want to be. And and I used to get depressed looking at magicians who were clearly so much better than me. But you said. You have to, I mean, it's like you have to be good. Like you should probably even be great if you can, but you don't have to be the best. 
but you do have to be likable. You have to be likable. And that goes back to Tarbell. I mean, I think Tarbell wrote that in 1926 or something. Uh, if they like you, they'll like your magic. And it goes yeah. with anything else. And that's why you're still here and you're still doing I, I guess so, Because you are likable. Uh, I hope so. I thank you. You're saying some kind things, and I appreciate it. <laughs> I mean it. I, well, I, listen, don't make me cry. <laughs> I get emotional <laughs> the older you I get. You almost did earlier. <laughs> oh, my God. Listen, I, I tell that story all the time. It's like, oh, man. Uh, well, anyway. listen, uh, thank you so much for your time. I know it's difficult. But wait a minute now. You haven't asked me a question that I've been dying to answer. Oh. Because you said to me in your email, think of... Uh, oh. Well, yeah. I thought you were going to talk about Frank, so I thought you did. Oh, no. Oh, because, you had a different story. Oh, please. Okay. So the question so, was... What was it? Yeah, the question is... Uh, a story of a chance encounter. Somebody chance you met enc- randomly. I thought you were doing it. To, I thought Frank oh, no, was the no. story. Oh, no, no. Oh, so I thought oh, that, we well, did that it. that was a story. Oh, goodness. I, I would have asked you that ages ago. Here's what, please, ch- here's tell what me. changed my life. Here's tell a, me. You wanna, can I tell you? Because I love telling yes, the story. Please okay. do. So I've always, I always loved magic since a kid, right? Yeah. Uh, I saw my first magician when I was eight years old at a party that my father brought me to. So I love magic. And then uh, back then, you don't remember this, Ed Sullivan's show, Variety Show, which was live. Um, oh, it had Variety at the performers and sometimes had magicians so i'd wait 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 for the magician because i love magic but when the show was running long because it was live they would cut the magician son of a bitch why cut the magician cut the you know so i love magic so much and and back then you couldn't go see magic shows it wasn't magic on not like it is today mm-hmm. all right so now i'm 14 years old and it's time to go to high school i should have gone to waterford high school which is where i live but instead i said I don't know why I said I'm going to go to a tech school in Norwich. I guess I don't know why because I <laughs> want to learn a trade. I don't know. For some reason I just decided to go to Norwich. So when I get to Norwich Tech, I meet this kid who's also 14, and he knew a lot of magic, man. Huh. He did shows. There were articles written about him. His name is Dave Winkler. I met him when he was 14. We're both 70. I love him like my brother. We talk every week. If I had, and then he knew a lot of magic. And he used to drive me nuts, like with the French drop. And <laughs> I didn't know how that was. He was driving me nuts. Card tricks. And then he would re- refer books to, to me to read. And the, the bottom line is Dave Winkler changed my life. Seriously. If I don't uh-huh. meet him, if, if, he doesn't, if he doesn't feed my interests, who knows? If I had gone to this other school and not, I would have never met him, would have never probably uh, continued, you know, doing doing magic at all. But, yeah, it was him, man. It's crazy. And so he... That was a chance meeting. He, yeah, it's, oh, God, like the ripple effect is so crazy and Just when think, think about, about it. it. I'm yeah. sure you had the same thing. Right? Well, so <laughs> in the in the first season I had on my best friend since childhood, who was also wildly successful in his own right, but we started magic together. Yeah. We had both done magic until the point we met each other, but when we met each other... We started doing. We started pushing each other and and talking about yeah, magic and showing each other, oh, yeah. and pumping each other up. Love and, that. And then for life, it just bonded us forever. He ended up becoming this world-renowned puppet builder. Like really? you can't believe he's like this. Like become this like living legend in puppet building. It's wow. incredible. But still does some magic shows for birthday parties when people ask him that still know about him just for fun. You know, on the weekends funny. and stuff. But same thing. And we talked about the fact that everyone needs a thought partner. Yeah someone to talk about on a regular basis, almost like an accountability partner to like yeah. chat about every so often. Yeah, You're yeah. still doing it, 70. Still, I talk to him every week. I, every week I talk to him. Is he still doing magic? No, he has a magic shop though. He has Connecticut's only magic shop in Oakdale. I didn't even Win- know Connecticut still had a magic shop. Winkler's Warehouse. But he, he's, he, um, he used to be open on a regular basis. Now he's only open uh, appointment only. But uh, he it's doesn't a, do... It's a shame, isn't it? Magic shops Yeah, mortar shops are dead, yeah. Yeah. I mean, in it's every love... industry. But but do you, do you actually... Do you feel like, speaking of, you know, having a magic shop, do you feel like magic as a culture, do you feel like we lost something when the shops started going away? Or do you think it just changed to yeah, a new no, we lost. No, I think we lost. Uh, kids no longer read books. They get all their uh, magic... Um, info from YouTube, which half the time is wrong. You know, how many, how many That's kids? That's the problem. It's not ma- that it's digital, it's that it's wrong. Yeah. How many kids have come up to you and go, let me show you this trick, and it sucked? Where'd you learn it? YouTube. Yeah. You know? it's, but yeah, yeah. Like, yeah and I'll tell you, it's, it's, yeah, it lost a lot. I used to love going to a magic shop every Saturday, and it's the camaraderie yes. that I really miss. You get a 10, 15 magicians, you're just talking magic, doing magic. It's a community. It is a community, which is why I'm still extremely involved with the local magic club i just i wish i i wish i could get to your club i have the handful of times i ever got down to your club i just love yeah the we're very active i just 
I just booked Scott Alex. I, I book all the all the yeah. lectures. I do all that stuff. So I, I just love you know the magic community. Yeah, it's just wonderful. It really is. Yeah. Well, I mean, just, uh, and and I've been in lots of different communities, and you know, I'm in communities as a speaker and all that stuff these days. And um, is the speaking community and, as interesting as the magic community? I've never been in any community as interesting as magic. And and the I think the reason is magicians are bonded over the fact that we're not allowed to talk about what we, what we do to anybody else. Exactly we have right. to talk to each other about it. Exactly the only people right. who understand <laughs> this bizarre fascination <laughs> we keeping have secrets. with keeping secrets, even it's though true. most professional magicians, I, if you ask them, the secrets are not the most important thing. It's like one of the least important things, but we're still not allowed to tell. Mm-hmm. Don't you just wish you could tell the audience a secret sometimes? No. No, you don't. It's funny because... We might disagree about that. Because... I, I mean, I don't. I just wish I could. Again, again, I keep bringing my age up, but again, at my age, if someone says... I I mean, I never tell... Who, my daughter, who I love more than anybody, if she would ask me how a trick is done, I wouldn't tell her. Oh, I wouldn't tell someone I, if they asked. I just wish they knew. Oh, you? Oh, okay. I wish they knew. Oh, really? I mean, so, you know what it so is? Wh- why? So they could... Because I think the... What we... It's hard to respect or appreciate something that you don't know anything about. That's why I feel about it. I feel like... Mm. You have a deeper respect for filmmaking when you understand a little bit about green screens and cameras and microphones. You just respect what you're seeing on the screen a little bit better. That's a very good point. I don't agree with it, but it's a, it's yeah. a good point. A, a friend of mine who's uh, who, who's married and has been doing magic all his, his life, Bob Hale, his wife loves magic, yeah. but does not want to know how anything works. They just, My wife knows very little about how it works. But she doesn't want to know. And like, I've, we, oh, I've deliberately kept her away from it because I don't want her to lose sight of wonder. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, when we when we ugh, we go out to dinner after these shows, and uh, we start talking how stuff works, she gets up. They just got back from Magic Live. She refused to go to lectures because she doesn't want to know how it works. She wants yeah. to be amazed. Yeah. So, no, I don't want to tell anybody. <laughs> I mean, I'll tell obviously another magician that they need help with anything or whatever. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I still keep things to myself. It's so weird, man. Isn't it? So, yeah. I mean, if you asked me, hey, if you saw a trick and liked it, I would show it to you, obviously. you know. Are you open with other magicians? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. The, every so often I meet a magician who's so closed off to other magicians. They have insecure. This, yeah, it is insecure, it right? It's, an, it's, this, it's a scarcity mindset. It's yeah, a mindset it that it can only be me, and if I let it out of my own head, somehow there won't be enough for me anymore. It's like, exactly you know, right. do you know how many how many mm-hmm. venues, how many opportunities there are for everybody yeah, yeah. and how few professional magicians yeah. there are. Yeah, like, yeah. like we feel like there's a lot of them because we know all of them, but there's not that many. Right. I always say there's plenty of work for everybody, man. There really and is. And if someone said to me last night, because there's this new thing that I'm doing, the, this is six-card repeat. It's really cool. In my fr- I love the six-card repeat. The six-card repeat is a classic of magic where the magician has six cards, throws some away, and then still has six cards over and over and over again, impossibly. Yeah, most routines suck. Uh, <laughs> it's just a I good went routine. to a magic store and I bought this and I threw away two. Uh, My uh, grandfather uh, gave oh, yeah. me this. Uh, <laughs> no, he didn't. If you go to YouTube <laughs> and, and the search six-card repeat, every video, that's they use the same story. Yeah. So I'm using something completely different. So at, at, again, after these shows, we go to dinner. And my friend said to me, if you weren't, my, he's, this is him talking to me, if you weren't my friend, I would steal that. You don't have to steal it. I'll show it to you. I will teach you. <laughs> do it. We're not doing the same, we're not doing the same gigs. There's yeah. plenty of gigs for everybody. So yeah, I'm really, I'm really I, open to that. I love that mindset. That is that, yes, oh, why please you? steal it. I, I, you know, I know why you wouldn't, but. Well, it, the, but you know what, the, but like. Not, don't steal, not don't steal my mannerisms. It's, right, don't it's steal my personality. Exactly. And and when people try to do that, it doesn't work anyway. It's That's like right. well, that's just so silly. But like, but there's there's like eight magic tricks yeah. out there. Like everyone's doing the same eight things, yeah. and we're just you know there's only twelve notes. All the songs were written with the same twelve notes. I, Musicians are doing fine. That's right. <laughs> I honestly believe uh, I'm getting booked at gigs that he's not and you're getting books booked at gigs that he's not because they like our personality there's right. something about us it's not our magic it's not your talks it's our right. personality yes it's, it's I, really I, I, what I, else I what else separates us what else I remember the first time I ever realized that when the difference between a hundred dollar magician and a thousand dollar magician um, is not the tricks exactly and a thousand dollar and a ten thousand dollar magician is not the trick. Absolutely. The ten thousand dollar guys are doing the same tricks. Same shit. That, that the hundred dollar guys are doing. What they've done is they've figured out how to tell a story, and I don't mean like a once upon a time, but I mean how to tell a story to the booker, to the client, to the audience yep. that is unique and interesting. Yep. 
and a, and and yeah, that's worth that's worth paying for. It's all and personality, people, man. People will pay for stuff. People aren't going to hire me because I'm a little edgy. They'll go with Paul because he's not, and people will call me because Paul's not edgy enough. It's oh yeah, it's uh, it's it's all. It's I refer people away from me sometimes. Stuff. When I when I a uh, client first comes to me and we have the first conversation and I uh, you know they'll I'll say um, describe your event what kind of tone are you mm-hmm. going for and they'll describe something that clearly sounds like kind of oh we have this crazy group that's a little raunchy and all this stuff yeah, not and for I'll, you and I'll instantly not go for you. listen I really appreciate it I've got three names exactly uh, I'm not your guy and you know what Brian everyone's happy you're happy yeah. because you're not doing the gig and bombing because you would because I would have bombed that gig the client's happy because you were honest enough to refer somebody and whoever you referred is really happy because they just got a gig that they never would have gotten it's a win 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 show them your humanity show them guys fucking love you <laughs> I'm gonna kiss you when this is over <laughs> I am. Jim, thank you so much for your best. time. That was great, have, man. Have a uh, have a best. killer have a killer show tonight. Thanks, man. I wish I could thank stick you around, but you don't this. start till five, right? You go home to your lovely wife. I, I make I, babies, I, please. I had to, I had to <laughs> whenever I have to ask her, hey, I know that I'm actually home this weekend, but I'm gonna spend most of the day yeah, not I being know. home. No, it's go brutal. Home, go home. I said I gotta go see my buddy, my my uncle Jim. I, oh, <laughs> that was good. That was good callback. Oh man. Oh, man. <laughs> That was good, man. Yeah, that was good. Please, seriously, get up and hug me. Before you try to hypnotize yourself into believing you're at the beach instead of the office, here are a few takeaways from this episode. First, context matters. What's right in one situation isn't necessarily right in a different one. Pitching an idea to your boss is very different than pitching an idea to your best friend. Do your research and stay present to make sure you're always aligned with your audience. Second, connect with others by showing them your humanity. Not everyone will love you or what you do, but if you show them your humanity, at least you've got a fighting chance at something real. And finally, approach life and business with an abundance mindset. There really is enough for everyone. Share resources and even refer people to your competitors when it's in their best interest. Everybody wins in the end. Head to onenewperson.com for show notes and related links, including Jim's website with information on how to catch a show. If you found this or any episode valuable, share it with someone who would also enjoy it. And remember to use hashtag onenewperson, all spelled out, so we can find you and thank you. I'm Brian Miller. This is One New Person, and we'll see you next time.